My name is Era, and I'm the host of the Tamil Creator Podcast. I chat with creators from all over the world to share their stories and discuss hot topics in a way that I hope inspires, educates, and entertains you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tamil Creator. I'm your host. Today, I have Naren Balakrishnan uh, joining us on this episode of the podcast, and he started off his career as a software engineer. He's now a principal at Grand Thornton's uh, SN, or I guess R&D and government incentives practice, and he's in a client-facing role helping um, clients in the tech space navigate the SHRED program. And, uh, you know, for those of you not familiar with this, it's a very time-consuming process, and, you know, I'll let Naren kind of explain what this program is, but Naren, welcome, and uh, yeah, thanks for kind of connecting today. Um, we'll start off with kind of, you know, the beginning, like where I like to start. So, Naren, I guess, tell us a, a bit about your upbringing, your family, and just kind of how that sparked or led you down the path to eventually becoming a software engineer. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me, Ara. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, my uh, my background uh, should go, go way back. My family is actually from, from South India originally, and my, my dad's family is actually from a place called uh, Kumbakonam in, in uh, South India. And actually, it's a, it's a town that uh, I think it, the origin is uh, it's a temple town. So there's lots and lots of Hindu temples uh, from where, where our family grew. So our family is actually, my parents um, came from um, Tamil Nadu. So they both, uh, the family started in, in Madras or Chennai now, I guess. And uh, my grandparents actually moved to, to Bangalore, so, or Bangalore now as it's called. So um, and my childhood, I did spend some time kind of back and forth. I did spend, I had some fond memories in, in Bangalore. And, uh, but for the most part, I, I grew up in, uh, in Toronto. So um, in, in actually in East in Toronto, Scarborough area, which uh, a, lot of, a lot of you might be familiar with. And um, so, yeah, so, you know, right from there, um, we, you know, lived there for, for the you know, majority of my life. And, and really, um, like, uh, in terms of, you know, when you talk about Tamil culture and things like that, like, uh, a big part of my life, obviously, a lot of my friends and, and just, you know, being that part of the city and things like that, there were, you know, a, a lot of that sort of community. Um, yeah, I went to high school there. And then, yeah, eventually, um, you know, went to the University of Toronto for studying computer science. Um, I guess, you know, what, how that kind of sparked, uh, I always had, even from young, I always had an interest in technology, um, you know, even pretty much when I, when I dating myself, but, you know, looking at back in the day of, you know, the early computers and stuff like that, um, you know, I was always kind of fond of that. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of what led me to that, you know, and at the time, uh, you know, you're looking back at, you know, um, when, when you're looking at things to do for university and stuff like that, there was a, there was a bit of a boom, right? When you think about .com and you think about um, where we were headed um, in terms of, in terms of technology and things like that. Um, so it's kind of a combination of that, the interest that I had in technology from a young age and, and just, this is kind of where things were going, right. And in, in terms of, um, uh, you know, career and, and now it sort of has bore out, right, in terms of, you know, where, where we are now. So, yeah, that, that's kind of, you know, what led me to uh, the, that sort of career path. But uh, ultimately, and I guess we'll get into that, it kind of it kind of changed, right, and uh, for the better, I would say. And so that's kind of a little bit about, you know, kind of uh, where I started. So. And, you know, as a software engineer, what did you like and dislike about your role? Um, you know, I know you worked at a few companies like IBM and Case for International, but, yeah, I'm curious, like, what was... What was your favorite part and what was your like i guess least favorite part of those of that role yeah i think it was obviously being at the forefront of technology you know talking about ibm you know obviously a well-known player in the industry you know you're working on the latest and greatest in technology and you're sort of at the forefront of that so i think what really i what i liked was problem solving you know even from a young age you know um, when i talk about some of my favorite subjects were math 
um, you know, and so um, I think it was the opportunity to solve problems and and you know to take take tackle a problem, um, you know, and figure you know figure out a solution for it, right? And so you know, you think about in software, you know, we talk about optimization and trying to make things faster, make things more efficient. I think I had a kind of an interest in in that, right? So you, you, you have a, you're given a problem and you have a certain um, you know think, you think you know if you think about an algorithm, right? You know, and that, that's you know that was kind of my interest area, and and so that was a big driver for me, and that that's what I think attracted me to that profession, right? Ultimately, is that's kind of a combination of you know here's here's where things are headed, and here's you know uh, my the ability for me to solve problems that um that was kind of the stuff that i like probably what what i didn't like and maybe the, maybe it kind of goes hand in hand but it, it was kind of like it was very narrow focus you know for me what i found is like you're 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 solving this one very small problem um and that's what you're the majority of your time is really focused on right so in, in a company like ibm you're working on not only are you not you're working on one small element of uh, you know a piece of software right and so you're not really seeing that big picture you're not getting that exposure so for me i think I think that's what it was, I, you know, long-term when I started getting into it, I think that's where I didn't see myself sort of progressing down that path. I felt like um, I needed something more. I needed something a bit more dynamic. I mean, maybe that's not the right word, but where it was a little bit different um, on a day-to-day. And then I think that that's for me, you know, that was kind of the, uh, um, you know, the area where I maybe didn't like the, 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 the career path as much. So, um, And then, you know, you went from a software engineer to now, you know, you work for, uh, essentially like an accounting firm where you know the one that specializes at least yourself specifically on tax so you went from like creating designing you know solving a problem um, through technology to now being on the complete other side helping companies navigate you know this complicated or not complicated but this you know cumbersome program called shred and uh, yeah like how, what made you decide to make that jump because it's so very specific. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very different, right? And and I think what it was is so, you know, um, what I was saying about, you know, I wanted to do something a little bit different, you know, wanting to take a different, go down a different path. This opportunity presented itself where it was this program that again was about technology. So the interesting thing was it wasn't going, you know, it wasn't suddenly going into accounting or something like that. It was a role that required someone with a background in technology, an interest in technology. That was kind of a, a key driver. Um, but the client-facing piece, I think, was really interesting for me. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I got to do a little bit of in my prior roles was you know we, we had the opportunity sometimes to to have calls with clients you know when i was working as a software engineer very little bit but i kind of even from that it kind of sparked something and so when i saw this role i said you know maybe maybe this is something i want to kind of plunge into and it was a total you know i didn't know what i didn't know much about the program at the time i didn't even know about you know tax policy or anything like that but i said you know, let me take kind of take a plunge it was i was i was younger obviously and you know um didn't have kids and things like that at the time so you know kind of looking at a career change and and um it was very different but i, I think from from the you know from the moment that i got into it i, I kind of really i really liked it i liked um the opportunity again to work so I wasn't doing the work now, but I was, I was, you know, I'm seeing what others were doing and I was helping other companies. Um, um, so indirectly, I was, I was really involved, I was still involved in technology and more so than I was before, just because I'm at even more at the forefront. Now you think about, you know, areas like AI and, and emerging technologies, well, it's impossible to be doing all of those things, but this kind of gives me a bit of a, a flavor, right? I'm able to Kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of the best of both worlds, right? So even though I'm not, you know, doing the hands-on work, I'm, I'm, and I'm seeing what others are doing, and I get, I get enough uh, to kind of keep me, kind of keep me satisfied, keep me going, and and 
and it's dynamic, right? So I learn something new every day. I'm working with clients across the country. I'm working with very smart people. And, and so that, I think that's what's really been attractive for me is just that the opportunity to, to do something different every day. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a new challenge. And I find that that keeps me, keeps me very interested. And so, um, that's kind of how I made the transition. It was, it was obviously just a, something that kind of clicked at the right time for me in terms of an opportunity that presented itself and something I was looking for. And, and here we are, like, that's, that was 13 years ago. So uh, I must be, uh, I must be really liking it. Yeah, uh, no. Um, can you tell, I guess, folks listening that aren't, you know, in the tech space or um, haven't navigated Shred before, which is S-R-E-D, uh, like what is the program and why should uh, a company apply for it? Like what, what's the benefit of it? Yeah, absolutely. So SRED stands for Scientific Research and Experimental Development. Uh, it's kind of the, uh, the long form. Uh, you might hear it as SRED or SHRED, as it's kind of commonly uh, mentioned in the, in the industry. Essentially what it is, it's, uh, it's a Government of Canada tax incentive tax credit program. So the idea is it's a way to incentivize Canadian companies to do R&D in Canada. And um, it's a very lucrative program. And the idea is um, as long as you meet the criteria that, that the government uh, has set out, um, you could be really benefiting quite um, quite well um, in terms of sort of offsetting the R and D expenditures that you have. And you can, you can imagine um, companies that are starting out. Um, you know, you, you're you're spending a lot of money, right? And uh, you're you know you might hear the term like you're you're burning through, and and you know your your burn rate, your run rate. You know, it, it can get very very expensive. And in the early days, this is pre revenue a lot of the time, right? So you need there there needs to be a mechanism for companies to to continue to operate and a way for them to kind of incentivize, and especially in, in, in Canada, right? The idea behind this program is to, is to, um, is to improve the Canadian economic uh, system, economic growth and, and promote and foster economic growth in Canada. So the idea behind the program is, is just that. So it's administered by the tax, uh, the tax department of the CRA. And uh, what they do essentially is that they look at claims that come in and essentially help and refund companies uh, a portion of the money that they were spending. And the nice thing about the program is, again, you don't have to be uh, revenue generating as long as you're um, you know, incurring uh, R&D costs in Canada and you're doing work that's deemed eligible, um, then you could definitely benefit from the program. And if you can imagine like cash, you know, coming back um, that companies can then use to reinvest and you know, um, do whatever they want essentially with in Canada, um, is is quite beneficial. So so yeah, that's kind of the program in a nutshell. And and uh, it's uh, across you know across the globe there are similar programs. Canada compares quite favorably. And so you know I've looked at programs in the UK and Australia and the US are similar, but Canada compares quite favorably when you look at the the global landscape for R and D. Uh, and it's a it's a well received program. Yeah, um, I mean I've uh, been part of startups where like they've got like significant money back, especially like if your big costs are around people. Because I think that's kind of where it really, I mean, they want to create jobs and they want to obviously get people to be investing in like, um, obviously, uh, future thinking technology that could, you know, benefit the economy. So uh, I've seen, you know, companies, I mean, it's a lot of work, et cetera, but like I've seen them get back literally hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes even more than that, which, you know, could help help them like last another year or two, or, you know, depending on kind of how many people they have. So I can see, definitely see the benefit of that. So, you know, um, with companies like yours, where you help companies apply for the Shred program, get it, um, you typically, like your companies typically take a percentage of that money you get back for companies. Uh, and so, you know, like it can be anywhere from 15 to 20 to 25, depending on the company, uh, which, you know, can be significant, but 
you know, I guess it's kind of like if you look at a selling a house yourself versus like getting a real estate agent. So why can't you, you know, as a company, just do this yourself? If you have maybe like a bookkeeper or like someone internally that can do it. And why do they need somebody like a Grant Thornton to help prepare this application? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, one of the things about the program is, is the, is the administration of it, right? So when you look at it, it's, um, you know, it's, it's as much as the R&D credit is great, it's lucrative, it's there, it's not free money by any means, right? So the idea is you do have to meet the requirements. Um, and the, and the, and the thing is there, there are strict requirements around um, eligibility, but beyond that, there's also strict requirements around things like documentation. So the idea behind the program is not so much that hey, it's like a, like you would fill out an application for something in here, give me my money. You know, it's not that simple, right? The idea is there's both a, uh, and it's not just a numbers program either. So there's kind of two components to it. So there's a technical piece and a financial piece. So the financial piece tends to be maybe a little bit more straightforward depending on the type of company. Like if you've got a manufacturing company or something where you're doing a lot of different types of costs, it can get pretty complex there as well when you look at the different types of costs you can have. But there's that side of it. But there's also the technical side. So the idea behind it is, you know, I get the question all the time. Like I deal with a lot of tech companies, honestly. And so, you know, is it, is it just anybody that's doing software development? You know, is that is that enough to kind of uh, you know uh, qualify for the credit? No, it's, and again, it's not. It's not that simple. Right? The idea is the government has very strict requirements and they have specific policies um, around uh, around actually qualifying for it. So, um, alongside the cost, you do have to bear sort of these technical uh, narratives or descriptions, um, and they have to be presented in a certain way that you know meets the. Uh, uh, the government's criteria. And then beyond that, if you ever get into, I don't know if anyone's ever been into, you know, a CRA tax audit or any type of audit, HSD, uh, as you can imagine, there's there's similar things that can happen on the Fed program side. And they have very specific individuals. So just like myself, you know, who has a background in technology, there, there are counterparts of CRA who come from a tech background that are reviewing these projects, right? So that's where, you know, you, you might run into some problems if you're, if, especially if you're looking at doing something like this yourself, because, you know, there could be um, very specific things, types of questions. There's a specific um, way that, you know, information needs to be presented. There's a specific type of tracking or documentation that the government looks for. So beyond, hey, the company saying, hey, we did these great things. They also want to know that you you can prove that you incur these costs and you can prove that you did this work. So things like contemporaneous documentation, maintaining records of your work, maintaining time records, all of those things. So it's, it's, it becomes almost like a, a system that we that we help companies establish. It's almost like an R&D process internally so that it becomes almost a bit turnkey. But it's something that we, you know, kind of foster. And you were mentioning our, like earlier, these things can be very sizable, right? So you want to make sure that um, it, it becomes a, it becomes almost like a something that companies rely on each year. And so you want to make sure you're set up well with that type of process. If you ever get, you know, uh, called by the CRA, it's, it, it's definitely good to have, you know, uh, someone like us, you know, supporting the companies, and um, it is it is the analogy of real estate is very is very apt. I think, right? It's, you know, selling your house, um, as you can imagine, you could do it, but uh, I wouldn't certainly do it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's one of those things where um, there, there's a lot of complexity around it, and you probably want somebody that has uh, the necessary sort of experience and background with it. So, so that's kind of that's kind of the reasoning behind it. I would say is to have some something like that. Um, um, someone like us working with you on it and, and, and there's change and the program changes. So what happens is, I mean, you know, for the most part, the program has been around in some form for, for a long number of years, but every year, you know, let's say the budget rolls around, there could be some changes, there could be some new policy changes. So, you know, we're up to date on those things. Right. And then we can present those to, to companies that are applying to the program. So yeah. What, what, what kind of companies, um, 
because I, I know you deal with tech, but are tech companies the only kind of companies that can apply for this program or what other types of companies could potentially apply for Shred? This episode is sponsored by Nobody. That's right, Nobody. So if you could be kind enough to hit that subscribe button, that would mean a lot to me. So the requirements are, are the same, like regardless, it's not like catered to any one industry. Obviously, technically, the big chunk of our sort of our client base and, and the uh, excuse me, the clients at the CRTs. But we've got we've got a number of other types of companies. For example, you know, advanced manufacturing. You've got companies in pharmaceutical. You've got food and beverage. You've got you know, you name it. Like as long as you're doing something that meets the criteria, um, you, you qualify. So they're not um, you know biased to any one industry or anything like that. Um, in fact, I find that sometimes software can be a little bit even more challenging if you can imagine just because you know years ago when i was in the program um, you know mobile app development as an example was something that was just rolling out and you can imagine there was there was not a lot of support for you know the toolkits and the sdks that that you know they were nowadays you know you know anyone can can set up an app you know fairly easily right so what kind of distinguishes what you're doing from someone else whereas you know in a manufacturing world you know, there's still something to be said for uh, building a widget, right? Something that you can see, you know, physical something, uh, hardware, something that you can hold and something you're making bigger or stronger, you know, in software that's sometimes more challenging. So, you know, by no means there is there restrictions on industry. Um, in fact, our um, our group is kind of set up that way as well. So we've got uh, individuals on our team that specialize in, you know, pharmaceutical, um, some more science background, some more, you know, come from uh, mechanical engineering background. So we have, we're well um, sort of uh, set up that way to, to help different companies in different industries. So, um, yeah, so as long as, again, as long as you meet the criteria, um, you know, the, the credit's really open to any, any industry. Got it. You know, you've obviously kind of seen the Shred program up and close for the last 12 years and learned a lot about it. You've, you've said, you've mentioned, you've kind of seen other similar programs kind of globally. Um, from like a high level, I guess for tech or just, kind of the general Canadian uh, industry around kind of innovation. Um, what improvements would you suggest for the program if you had a chance to kind of influence policy to help, you know, tech companies and just other companies create more innovation that's like commercialized and, you know, help, helps create jobs, helps create credibility here in Canada? Uh, like what would be your recommendation? Yeah, I think I think Canada in general. I think it's, it speaks to kind of Canada in general does a great job at um, you know incentivizing R and D and 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 you know the credits speak to that. But I think where maybe we fall off a little bit is that commercialization aspect. So when we look at you know shred credits get you to a certain point, and then after that you know you there's a lot there's a lot more cost that's involved, right? So getting to market and you know getting to getting a product uh, you know established and, and commercialized, and so that. Um, you know, Canada, I would say, probably doesn't do as good a job. Um, you know, in other regimes in the world, there's things like patent box, you know, and that, those are things that Canada is talking about. You know, is there ways to to say, you know, hey, we, we've come up with, you know, we've had this great idea, we've subsidized the R&D and stuff like that, but now we want to productize and we want to, um, can we get some support for that? Can we get some support for the patent side? Can we, how do we keep the IP, you know, here in Canada, right? A lot of the companies, I've seen companies go to the States, right? You know, for, for different reasons where maybe there's more funding, maybe there's more opportunities to, you know, take advantage of the market and, and, and establish their product in that market, right? So so th those are the types of things, um, you know, that maybe Canada could be doing a little better. And, and there is talk about that. You know, we've, you know, a question that I always get is, you know, like a lot of, a lot of clients I deal with, you know, they're working on patent patent applications and stuff like that. And that's, that's a cost, for example, that the TREP program doesn't subsidize currently. But, you know, that would be great if I, if I had my, you know, choice because a lot of those, costs that go into patent, as you can imagine, you know, they align with R&D, right? And, and, you know, there's legal costs and legal implications there that, you know, those, those things are not cheap, especially for companies in the United States. So, you know, it'd be great to get more of those types of costs subsidized and maybe an expansion of the program. So I think it's, 
as much as shred is great, the, the thing is it is a subset of you know what a company is doing, right? So if you think about a company when they're first establishing their company, their idea, they're going to do a lot of you know feasibility, maybe market study, market research, and then they do their R and D, and then there's a lot of go to market. Shred is really that. You know, people can't see it with my hands, but I'm, I'm kind of doing the uh, the middle of that, right? It's kind of the subset of, of that piece. So can, could we expand what the program covers a little bit? Um, yeah, potentially. Well, one thing I guess, I don't know if we're going to get into it too much, is there are other programs, and we, we also do work on other types of grant programs as well. So in Canada, there are other grant-type opportunities, which which are sort of more direct funding. And, and Canada is starting, you know, does have a, a variety of uh, opportunities in that area. But from a, from a strictly from a shred perspective, I think that that would be one area where you know where we could be doing a little bit more. And, and some countries in the world do do have a little bit more. Um, I, I guess their their credits do a little bit more than what Canada does. I guess currently as well. So, uh, and you know, you've probably seen a lot of app. You've probably worked on a lot of applications in your twelve years doing this. Uh, I'm curious. Have you seen any kind of interesting observations or trends in terms of like, you know, maybe how much money Canadian companies are spending on R and D? You know, what are they spending it on? Like, um, what's maybe a company you've worked with? You don't have to say the name, but like that's doing something like that's super interesting that you would have never thought, you know, um, could be done. But like you saw it because of your work helping companies with uh, Shred. Yeah, that's a great question. I think some of the numbers that we've that maybe came out a couple of years ago, um, the Shred program, I think it was three three billion plus dollars given out in tax credits. That's just over a yearly basis, about twenty two thousand uh, or so companies. And those numbers get updated each year. But if you look at that's pretty staggering, like three billion dollars just in the tax credits. That means that that's a percentage essentially of what companies have actually spent on R and D. So it's 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 large. And the nice thing about this program is, as much as you know, large companies can benefit or foreign-owned companies that are coming into the Canadian market can benefit. The sweet spot of this program is really SMEs, right? So the small, medium size, the, the small players that have companies that have great ideas here in Canada and want to scale, you know, looking at that kind of the hockey stick curve right there in that growth curve. That's what this program is really here to support. And so, yeah, in terms of success stories, you know, I've seen a number of you know, great companies kind of like, like one of the ones, I guess, a few years ago, maybe now it's a bit more commonplace. So there's kind of a client that I have that's doing, um, sort of failure detection for vehicles. So they've got um, the ability to, and I know there's a lot more tech now built into cars and things like that, but they were one of the early adopters, you know, for things like, hey, like you need a, you need a, they have a detection scheme and they use artificial intelligence and machine learning and AI to figure out when you need things done to your vehicle, whether it's, you know, fuel, whether it's, you know, thing looking at oil changes, looking at, you know, um, replacement of parts. So they have a, a way to detect a lot of these things through technology. And this was like, they were on, on top of this, like maybe four or five years ago. So, you know, the um, uh, the founder, actually his father was a mechanic. And so he had a sort of a background. So he's kind of marrying kind of a, a non-traditional industry, right? We look at you know, auto mechanic with, with technology, right? And so again, now it seems like everything is being, you know, anything about internet of things, you know, everything is becoming, um, uh, you know, technolo technolified, <laughs> that's a word, but you know, you, you're applying technology to something, but that's one industry or one area of they are. And they've been, you know, claiming under the program and doing very well um, because of their sort of custom, these custom algorithms and machine learning that they built to do this sort of detection with vehicles. Um, the other industry that's kind of interesting, and I'll, there's there's a lot more, but one of the industry that I've recently started working and seeing is legal tech. So if you can imagine, um, you know, lawyers traditionally a very uh, document uh, manual type of industry. They're heavily getting into AI. So I've got a number of clients that are doing interesting things from you know taking a lot of this legal documentation 
using machine learning again. Um, AI is, I think, is a big buzzword, but yeah, using that sort of technology to to make you know claims processing a lot faster. We've got a company that's doing like wills. You know, if you, you know the wills process again, traditionally very lawyer, manual, paper based. You know, putting technology to that. So I think that's where I've seen you know taking again traditionally industries that were. Uh, did not have a lot of technology behind them, um, you know, and you know, and 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 you know, applying things like AI towards them to make you know to make things make life easier, really. And you you see it in um, legal tech, and you know, there's things called prop tech now, which is like for for real estate technology, insure tech, you know, for the insurance industry, and um, yeah, it, that that part of it has been really cool, just to kind of see um, the adoption of that. And and those companies those companies have actually done well on the market as well. So it's not just these are not just ideas; like they've actually translated to you know to 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 products that uh, have done well so so that that's kind of a, some of the success stories around the program yeah thanks for sharing about the program you know one thing i want to ask you was you know you went from yeah um like something that's easy to understand which is a an engineer to doing being a specialist in a tax program that's kind of centered on technology um even though someone in the tech world like especially in canada is quite familiar and sees a value in it how did your like friends or family kind of, you know, deal with you making that switch? Was it like, oh yeah, that makes sense, or was it like, what are you thinking? Like, stick with being an engineer. Like, what what were their thoughts? Yeah, I definitely did get that question because a lot of my friends, like I did, you know, we did computer science together, computer engineering, you know, and we, you know, some of them are, have done really well. They still, you know, in in doing software development, and, and they've done really well in those industries. And I think for them, it was a bit of a kind of an eye opener in a way, kind of to say, hey, like this is this is a real a real jump. Uh, or a real change, I guess, from what you what you've been doing. And some of them, you know, um, some of them actually do get involved in the program. Just you know, from their companies, you know, they, uh, being being an engineer, they get they get pulled into pulled into shred claims for you know for for their own companies. But so they're familiar with the program. But I think um, yeah, there's definitely some 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 questions. And and I do have to a lot of people that I talk to, I do have to kind of it's like you just said, right? It's easier to say, hey, like uh, I'm a software engineer at IBM. Like it's fairly obvious. But when I talk about what I do now, like it's like. You, know, you look at consultant. You look at you know tax. You look at so it, it, there's a there's a bit more um, conversation, I guess, that happens. And and um, I, and I think I think the other thing was like um, that's interesting is when you're in, in engineering. You know, a lot of my friends can attest to this. Is like you're again, your head's down, your head down. You're you're working on your boat. You're not interfacing. So through this role, and maybe maybe this is something I just discovered later in life. Is that's something that I really enjoy. Is is you know being you know interfacing. You know doing networking. You know being immersed into the into this ecosystem right so a big i'm a big proponent of social media you know things like linkedin things like the podcast you know this world is all new to me so i really like that whereas i think a lot of people that i know and the friends they, they maybe struggle with that a little bit right so for them they you know, they don't like maybe venturing out into that because one of my friends was telling me like yeah i don't know if i could go to a you know go to a networking event or something or you know to, to, to you know, draw a new business or you know try to you know that side of it is very different uh, from engineering, like the technology is kind of the, the 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 common common piece, but the the business side is very different. So, yeah, I definitely did get um, did get some uh, you know a bit eye raising a little bit, and, and sort of you know once I kind of explained and I guess I showed why I was so enthusiastic or excited about it, I think they kind of understood where you know, where I was headed. So. Often we focus on kind of the successes or things that we've done well. I'm a big fan of kind of learning from failures or, you know, you call them learning lessons uh, in like the last, I don't know, three, five years. Um, what's been a failure that stuck out to you or like a learning lesson that you've kind of gone through and what particularly did you learn from that experience? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think, I mean, yeah, you know, I think you're absolutely right. You have to you have to learn from your mistakes. You know, nobody's no one's perfect. Um, I think I think one example would be, you know, through this role, um, you know, especially in the last number, in the last number of years, I've had the opportunity to to lead, manage, coach people. Um, you know, and so one of that's been a learning experience for me, just the, the opportunity to mentor and, and work with the team, you know, now we're getting into a lot of recruiting and, you know, that whole world is quite different for me. And now, you know, I'm getting more and more accustomed to that. But I think one, one experience for me was, um, we had, we had a, a, an individual that, um, lived in a couple of years ago and it was a kind of a difficult, um, I, I guess it didn't work out, right. Let's say, so, you know, we brought someone on and we had, you know, we thought, uh, you know, there'd be a great addition to the team and, um, for whatever reason, you know, we, you know, we tried to work with them. It, it just wasn't a fit. And I think, um, you know, the challenge there for me was like, at, at the time I was like, you know, is it me? Am I doing something wrong? You know, am I not, you know, um, you know, doing something right with the coaching? Is it something that, you know, that you know, I didn't give them enough, um, you know, the right tools, resources, support to do well in this role, but, you know, um, you know, and so they, they eventually, you know, they, they left our team and, and stuff like that. But, um, I think the takeaway for me from that experience was that, you know, you, you learn um, about yourself, you learn about, you know, how, yeah, how should you should deal with people, essentially, you know, you, you know, a big part of our role is, is what we call the colleague, you know, the colleague role, how do you deal with others? And, and so, you know, I think that was important. Just to, it, I don't think fundamentally there was anything that, you know, we could have done differently. Um, and, but I think it was the takeaway that realization right, that, you know, people, um, are different and maybe not everyone is suited for a particular role and so you come, kind of come down on yourself a little bit to say like you know this didn't work out maybe it's something attributed to, to, to you look inward sometimes and say hey maybe something that I did but um, I, I think that was a big experience and then since then you know we've had we've had great successes and we've had you know we've had people leave for different reasons and, and I think that's something I've learned right something that it comes and goes in a company and especially during the you know with COVID and everything um, it has been it has been challenging you know in, in terms of you know people retention and and uh, and a lot of that. So I think those earlier experiences have helped now because if I think I was living that through now, I would be like, yeah, what's going on? Like this is, you know, this is, this is very different. So I think that that was that was something that I've definitely learned over the last couple of years. Now looking at like uh, your personal legacy, so looking forward, how would you want to be remembered by your friends and family in a, in a few sentences? Did you know that every time you left a five out of five review for this podcast, a Tamil parent lets their child pursue a career in the creative arts? Okay, that's probably not true, but if there's a chance that it is, do you really want to jinx it? Leave a review. Do it for the young creative in you. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, I, you know, I hope that I, you know, if we look at not just from a, from a you know, uh, we've been talking about a job and, you know, looking at, at that kind of, you know, let me look at uh, the contribution to this program in the Canadian economy, but from a, from a kind of a personal perspective, I, I think there, there are parallels like you know when I, I look at myself as someone that um you know my clients can can lean on can come to for support i'm not going to be there just for hey like see you when it's time to file a claim at the, at the end of the year kind of thing right so similarly i think it's 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 being there like seeing someone like, you know, in guy that you know i could come to that that i could approach if you know i had a particular issue someone that's easy to talk to you know someone that kind of was there uh when i needed someone and it, and it could just be hey just a you know quick conversation a coffee it doesn't have to be anything um you know uh, specific but sometimes i think people need that and and i think i want to kind of be regarded as a kind of person that was, was there you know and people you know can look back and say hey like yeah when i need someone to to, to to lean on for something or again even how small it was you know, he was somebody that was there to support me and and sometimes it's just hey just being supportive right so say hey like you know you're you're we talked about earlier but you know changing careers something like it's like hey 
you know, I had a recent example, like with a friend of mine who um, he's looking at a career change and he came to me and said, Hey, like, you know, what do you think about this? And you know, is there any, anything you can suggest or any, and I, and I actually helped make a connection for him. Right. And it's those type of things, right. It's just kind of, kind of being that connector, kind of being that, you know, person that can, um, you know, um, was kind of was there when people needed him. And I think that's, you know, that, you know, they're, they're, it's kind of cliche to say, like when you, when you go, you, you hope you can touch as many people, um, you know, along the way. And I, but I think that's, that's the key thing. I think it's that human connection that's really important. So. Looking forward in terms of, or not looking forward, but looking back, mm-hmm. if you had a chance to go back in, in a time machine and visit, you know, 16 year old Niran, uh, and you got to sit face to face, what would you tell him? Yeah, that's, uh, that's that's a good question. I think you know where, where my career path went down. I would say you know probably get into what I was doing a bit sooner, right? To be honest, I come out of school with you know I did spend a few years obviously doing software engineering. I, you know in, in hindsight, I probably would have started along this path a lot sooner. Um, you know just because I I kind of like where I ended up, but I feel like I needed to go through that, even though I would probably tell myself, hey, I can't go down this career path at that time. I feel like. I, the, the way your life turns out it happened everything happens for a reason i always feel like that you know i always feel that way so i w- it wouldn't technically you know change anything along those lines but i think yeah if i could get into something that was doing a bit sooner um obviously you know um you know m- you know make these type of connections or you know you, you kind of for- foresee what sort of the future looks like in terms of the you know technology and, and that i've been talking about in terms of in those type of industries and stuff like that so give, kind of giving you a head giving myself a heads up on hey you know this is where things are headed you know this is where you know um you know where people are going to be where people are going to have needs i guess right where, where things are going to be headed so kind of Going down that path a bit sooner probably would be a you know piece of advice. Say, hey, say, let's get on this track and and maybe even you know help more people sooner. So I think you know that's some of the advice I would give myself. And you know, um, a topic I, I'm very fascinated by, and I like to ask people about is like, what's your relationship with money? Like, how do you view money? How do you look at investing? Like, what kind of things you invest in? Out of curiosity, and you can share whatever you feel comfortable. Yeah, I, I would say probably a bit more conservative. So when it comes to you know when it comes to investment, I've never been a big stock market. I, um, you know, obviously, I think you know your typical, you know, uh, you know, have kids, so you know your, your retirement, your your you know education funds and your savings stuff like that. So I think that all that is important and very very key. Um, but I've never been, you know, I'm not a big, uh, you know, big lottery guy or big casino <laughs> guy. That, that, that I always feel like if I, if I uh, take twenty dollars and we go to the casino, you know, I feel bad to lose money. So I've, I've always been a bit more cautious. So, um, yeah, it's something, you know, I think, you know, through the RSP and stuff, like I get into some mutual funds, but I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, the, I'm not that kind of, you know, the big investor guy for sure, but you know, maybe in the future, right? So maybe, you know, there's more opportunities that open up. Uh, my, I have clients that are in crypto and, and Bitcoin, but I've never really dabbled in that area either. So, um, yeah, for sure. I think, um, I think it's maybe, maybe there's, maybe there's more to come for me in that area, but I've traditionally kind of been a bit more conservative and a bit more shy when it comes to money investments for sure a little bit more safe i guess so, you know safe investment so. makes sense um from like a new information consumption point of view like um how do you do you typically like if you want to get new information do you like to read podcasts do you just read articles like what's the the way that you prefer to consume new information yeah i think podcasts are a great medium so like if, if you and the, and the nice thing about them you can be in the car you can be bike and you're taking a walk and and i think you can you know they're very accessible um there's great podcasts out there um so i think that's one great medium that i've uh kind of enjoyed over the last few years for sure um yeah articles you know kind of staying on top of um 
I find I find social media can be good if you use it properly. So if you know, I, like, I really like LinkedIn as a platform because I find um, not only are you connected to smart people and you're, you're kind of following people where they go in their career, but there's a lot of information that comes through, right? Just from you know people are sharing, um, you know, just about things that are happening in technology. Um, you know, the, the you know just you know you might have a friend or a certain company they're positioning, they're posting an article about something or they're offering a new article about something. Um, and I'm actually just fortunate through how you know the the, the space that I work in that um, I'm sort of connected to a lot of companies. So just indirectly, you know, if I'm, I'm working on a client, you know, I'm on their website or. Um, on their LinkedIn or something like that, they're sharing something. I'm 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 learning something. Just just you know just being kind of in that space. So I don't actually have to you know typically seek out a lot of it. It's a lot of it is there, and um, sometimes just finding the time, I guess, is, is the main thing to try and consume. So um, consuming that information. So I think yeah, those would be kind of the main um, main ways that I kind of try and stay on top of trends and, and things that are happening. So. What's your favorite podcast that you listen to? Like something you um, recommend to users or like listeners? Yeah, or... um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think everyone knows Neil deGrasse Tyson. So I, I like, really like Star Talk. Uh, I don't know if he's familiar with that one, but I, I think you know Neil's a very smart guy. But I think the nice thing I like about it is it's um, he covers a lot of different topics. So it's not just you know you think of Neil Neil as a you know space guy. It's it's not limited to that at all. I mean, I have some interest in space, but I think it's you know some of the other stuff he did. He, for example, he did one the other day about like you know, the impact of video games uh, on children. And, you know, he had another one that was interesting. It was just about, um, it was just yesterday or the year before, it was about, like, the physics of um, uh, pool, like pool tables. And, you know, it's just it, things you don't even, you know, maybe even think about. But he he has, kind of the, he brings in, like, sort of expertise um, in the area. So, you know, you think, you know, obviously a very smart guy in the field, but he's learning, even he's learning on the podcast, you know, which is which is really interesting. So a guy like him, obviously, who, um, you know, who's, uh, who's done so much, um uh, you know, to have kind of these bright guests and, and things like that. So yeah, definitely. It's a very informative kind of podcast and, and it's, it's a fun one too. It's, it's not just a, I think that's important too, to kind of keep your attention. So it's not something that's kind of just mundane and the way they deliver the information, so the guests that he has and, and the co-hosts he has, they keep it very uh, entertaining. So I think that one I would definitely recommend. Uh, As you brought up space, I, you know, what I think the, a, a ton of money is being poured into space. And like, I think there's a lot of, um, it seems very gimmicky, but, it's actually very interesting kind of what's happening in the space race in terms of getting satellites up there, having, inter, you know, satellite internet. That's going to be, a, you know, once they actually set that up properly, like Starlink and all those other companies, it's going to be a game changer for people across the globe or like uh, if they actually figure out how to actually mine or do like, you know, uh, not Elon, but um, Jeff Bezos kind of dream of, I think, moving heavy industrial kind of processes from Earth to like, you know, the outer space, like whether it's the moon and stuff like yeah. that. So um, I'd be very kind of interested to kind of see how that plays out in the next like decade, you know, in my lifetime, how the whole, you know, I, I think going between here and the moon or like outer space is going to be as normal as, you know, taking a, a flight, but I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just feel, I feel like there's a lot of hype around space, but I'm very curious in like 10, 15 years, what that looks like. So for sure. Yeah. For sure. And, and we've seen it recently too, with a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, people going into space and stuff like that with a lot of the stuff that's happening. But yeah, I think it's, there's a lot there that's still kind of untapped. And uh, I think we will see a lot more in, this, you know, in the coming years for sure. So. I know during COVID, a lot of people picked up, you know, maybe some bad habits, but a lot of good ones too. And like a lot of self-reflection, just doing something new that, you know, gives a meaning or just beneficial in their life. So for me, 
that's kind of you know i did a lot of walking and like you said this like listen to podcast it was a kind of a great way to stay healthy while feeding your mind as well but for yourself like during covid what was like a new belief behavior or habit that kind of benefited your life yeah i think along those lines i think i pick um so i used to um uh, bike like cycling a lot when i was younger and i hadn't done it for a long time so i figured like especially when really restricted last year and things like that. So I, I bought a bike again and, and I, um, that's something that I started uh, kind of doing and I, and I kind of remembered why I sort of enjoyed it. So it's, it's a great way to get some exercise. It's, I, I do be walking occasionally, but I, I, I do find that it's, uh, you know, it's maybe biking is a little bit more fun for me and just to get, get around a little bit, you know, you can see a little bit further and, um, and you can still do things that you can listen to podcasts things while you're doing that, which is great. So when I was young, obviously there's no podcast, you're listening to music, but I think it's like, it's kind of a, a, a double benefit, right? So you're getting the exercise um and and you know you're you're yeah you're you're doing things like podcasts so where we're you know was restricted to do couldn't do a lot of travel so and obviously and doing things like that so that was kind of an easy way to try and get some exercise and and um you know um keep up to date on, on things that were happening so yeah that's something a new something that i kind of picked up specifically over over covid um yeah probably yeah probably yeah probably walking a little bit more as well i would say than i had been before um I think it's just a natural thing. You're looking for something to do and, you know, kind of be cooped up inside all the time, especially when, when things, I know things have eased and settled since then, but, um, and it was like particularly bad at one point. So yeah, I think, I think that, and I think, I think the larger comment that I was going to make about that is just you, when I was looking back now, we're looking at about two years when you, when you think about the pandemic and it's kind of like, you know, I think it, it showed to me that, you know, something like this can kind of stop things so you know when you have the opportunity to do something pre-covid or you know how would we kind of come out of this it's like maybe maybe we don't hesitate as much to do something if we want to go out and do something we should do it obviously obviously we have the means to do so but if you want to you know we take that trip or or take up that new hobby i think if anything covid has shown us that you know we probably shouldn't be as hesitant maybe to do things because we never know when something like this can happen and you know everything comes to a halt right and so you know um uh, i think that mindset is something that has changed for me coming out of this um, it's kind of like yeah like you know there's opportunities to to do something um for yourself you probably should seize them now more than ever well that's kind of a good segue into the final segment of our podcast it's a it's a a game slash segment that I call Creator Confessions. Uh, there's kind of a bunch of statements I'll make, and you'll just give me a, like your, you know, the first thing that kind of pops into your head. Sure. All right, Naren. So first question is favorite Tamil food. Tamil food? Yes. Um, so probably say, um, can, I say can I say dosa? Yeah. yeah. Something that scares you. Uh, uh, snakes. Me too. Um, insecurity that you have. Um, insecurity. You know, sometimes I feel you know, the, the term imposter syndrome goes around a bit now. So I think, you know, I feel like I, I am the best at what I'm doing and I am kind of worthy of, you know, been things happening to me and, and I'm, I'm kind of worthy of that. So I think I think that is... Favorite show you're watching? Uh, cheat and say Squid Game because I just finished. <laughs> <So> <laughs> just finished that one. Uh, place you're itching to travel to after the pandemic is over? Italy has been on my on my list so yeah. a fellow tamil creator that you want to give a shout out to fellow tamil creator um um i think you do a great job around this podcast and and um, you know tamil culture and and i so i'll give you a shout out as well as um uh, ravi uh at the blue max podcast as well i don't know if you're familiar with him on his podcast before i think he's doing some great things in the, in the community so 
I'll give him a shout out as well. So. Favorite cha- uh, favorite childhood memory. Favorite childhood memory. Um, yeah. So when I was talking about my days back in um, in Bangalore, India, um, it was myself and um, I went to school there for a couple of years and uh, had some really fun memories of my cousins, uh, young cousins at the time. Um, we were uh, very young and got into a lot of adventures. I remember, you know, bike riding and and kind of we we were kind of. Uh, Kind of a little crew we used to you know hang out and, and do things on, you know and yeah lots of lots of lots of fun memories at that time so that was like early you know eight nine years old so those are good times <laughs> outside of uh, work something you like to do for fun a sport i think i'm a big you know um a big sports um not an athlete or anything but uh you know i watch a lot of sports you know raptors uh these days you know, big fan of that and then um, video games, stuff like that. I like I like a lot of sports games, you know, like, like Madden and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm a big sportsman. Sportsman. Uh, a, a purchase you've made in the last couple of years that you've splurged on, but you have zero regret about it. Yeah, um, you know, uh, you know, I'm gonna cheat and say like this was a gift for our kids. Uh, we got a couple of the um, the RAOs home arcades, kind of a uh, life size. Okay. So there's a I was a big Street Fighter, uh, Street Fighter Two fan as a kid. So we actually got one of those in our basement, and we got uh, the NBA, the old NBA Jam. Yes, uh, I love that game. Like, yeah. The stand-up uh, arcade. So yeah, it's, it's just like uh, it's something that I've, I really like. My kids love. So uh, yeah, I'd say those. Um, a pet peeve of yours. Money can be hard to come by, but here is a hundred dollar opportunity for you. Join my free newsletter for free exclusive content and a free chance to win $100 when I hold special draws. Did I mention that it's free? Pet peeve. Yeah, I'd say it's sort of disingenuous people. I don't know if that's the, something that, you know, people that are kind of, uh, you know, you know, like maybe they say one thing to your face and, you know, behind the behind your back, they say something else. You know, just that kind of character, that trait, you know, is something that pet peeve the um, if you knew that you were going to die tomorrow, a regret that you would have? Yeah, um, probably just just you know maybe not being able to travel as much as I would have liked you know, so far. Um, you know, I think uh, you know the pandemic has obviously slowed things down in the last little while, but that's probably it. Anyway, I have seen a few places, but I think just. Just maybe there's a couple of times that I would have gone and done something, you know, seen another place in the world. That's probably that's probably the regret. Uh, age you want to retire by. And when I say retire, my definition is kind of ownership of time. Do what you want when you want. Yeah, I you know six, probably sixty. I, I don't want to go sixty-five. So I think you know, I I say sixty only because I'd probably be bored after a while if I didn't have if I didn't have work. So I'll, I'll say sixty as a kind of age where I'd love to just you know, maybe even do something like that, you know, part-time or something like that, but that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or I could, I could cheat and say Lotto Max to, to tomorrow. But <laughs> 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 a celebrity whose life you would want to experience for one day. Ooh, yeah, these are, these are tricky. Um, the, the Rock uh, is a guy I follow a lot. Of it. it just, it just, it's, it's amazing how many things he's involved with. Like I was a big wrestling fan when I was young and then, He's just sort of morphed into I mean, those movies, TV. He's got he's got the um, uh, uh, he's got the, the, the tequila brand. He's got you know so just just to live in his shoes, just to see how a day it, you know kind of the, the amount of things that he has going on would be pretty cool. So. Yeah, I think he his story is remarkable. I think like 
I, I used to my, my like my little brothers back in the day we were like huge you know um wwe or wwf fans you know and, yeah, yeah, yeah. nwo like all that stuff oh yeah and it's yeah, just uh team. it's crazy to see the rock go from like you know he was big in wrestling but that was a kind yeah. of niche big to like yeah. kind of globally big and like you know the whole story of him uh, i think he called this film production company like six or six dollar or seven dollar production but i forgot yeah, it's like seven bucks i think right? seven bucks, that's yeah much, that's how much money he had, story, in how much he had in his pocket yeah so that's yeah, funny exactly the same for me because i saw him in even like mid 90s when he came up as a wrestler and you're like who is this guy and he just he took the wrestling world by storm which is one thing right it, it is very niche as you said but to then become this mega star um just in media like what he's been able to do is pretty remarkable so, and finally, um, just kind of a public service announcement or just final thoughts you want to leave with the audience to like, you know, maybe aspiring Tamil creators out there. Like I know, you know, you are a creator yourself in the sense that you kind of enable creators to kind of, you know, um, you know, survive longer, if you want to call it that, or just be able to innovate more or faster. But you get to work uh, a lot with other creators. So like, what's your advice to somebody listening that uh, aspires to do that? Yeah, I think I think it's great to have um, you know this this group of people um, rep- representative uh, representative everywhere, right? I think we're we're starting to see it more and more, and I think we need that, right? So you know, just an example, like I don't know if you watched um, the Mindy Kaling show, like Never Have I Ever on Netflix. It's just an example of you know that's something maybe you wouldn't have seen a number of years ago. So you know, a South Indian you know Tamil character on, on a TV show like that with with broad appeal, and in you know she's been able to do that, and others have. So there's a, there's a lot more that we're seeing. So I think the advice would just be like, you know, put yourself out there. You know, if there's something, um, you have a, you have an idea. So you know, I always come at it from an entrepreneur perspective, and you know, um, you know, it, 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 you know, you know, if you have a great idea, you know, go go with it, right? And I think we need more people. We need more of that representation from from any from all groups. But I think if you look at this group in particular, um, I, I think you know, I think that's something that we want to foster more of. You know, and I'm I'm hopeful that I can do it in the in in the you know the space that I'm in um, and to help companies but it'd be great to have you know for example like um, you know to, like a Tamil uh, entrepreneurs uh, fund or something like that right or a group where entrepreneurs can come together or things like that you're doing with Tamil culture right um, uh, I think just having that sort of um, uh, kind of representation and that ability to kind of work together uh, would be my you know would be my um, kind of uh, goal and hope and and I, and I think we're and I think we're seeing it already awesome well. You know, Naren, thank you for kind of jumping on the podcast and kind of sharing your story and, you know, really enlightening folks, especially those listening from like a tech or manufacturer, like, you know, um, you know, food and beverage kind of industry that maybe they didn't know about Shred or like maybe they, you know, they, they haven't really fully explored the, all the benefits of Shred. So I think uh, it's like a topic that's somewhat understood, but not really. So thank you for doing that. For somebody that's kind of listening and, you know, inspired by you and like your, your, your change in your career kind of going from you know kind of in a corner developing working on code to being client facing and enabling other creators out there to kind of do big things um what's the best way for someone to connect with you is it by email linkedin like what do you prefer yeah i would say both probably linkedin is probably the easiest i'm very active on there um my profile there and people can reach out to me and then you know we can usually switch it over to an email conversation and uh uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm a big proponent of uh, you know like tools like Zoom and stuff like that to have conversation. I'm a big you know I'm always uh, we call it kind of virtual coffees now. So I'm always a big uh, uh, big proponent of that and meeting people. So yeah, I, I think those are, those would be the best ways to kind of get in touch. We start with LinkedIn and 
can talk over more. Awesome. Well, appreciate you kind of sharing your story and taking the time, Naren. And for those of you listening, as always, appreciate it. Um, look forward to the next episode. Thank you so much, Aaron. It was great.